Welcome to the From Quarantine podcast, a weekly dose of dry humor from two Americans living in the heart of Europe. Hosted by January Newbanks and Tassie Gibson. Hello, hello. Good morning. Good morning. I bet our listeners are really confused because sometimes we're like, hey, how's your (laughs) evening going? (laughs) Sometimes we're like, hey, good morning. Uh, We do not have a consistent recording time. Fun fact. (laughs) Because life is not consistent. If there's anything we've learned in all these years on earth, it's that you have to be flexible. Yeah, and both of us are are people who have a very flexy schedule in terms of like, well, your schedule is like Tetris. I always say that. because your students are always like can I reschedule to an hour later and then you have to get out like your your magical book and see if you can make it happen I know I will never be a person that goes to electronic scheduling like I need to physically open my diary look at the week all spread in front of me and only use a pencil never use a pen (laughs) to Mm -hmm. put in an appointment and you have diaries going back how far? I have them in my basement. I have diaries till I think the first year I moved here. They're probably oh, wow. since 2004. I would be surprised if they're not all there. Um, That's so and crazy. I've been using this system since the sixth grade because my <laughs> junior high school, they did this initiative. I don't know if they if it was like a countywide um We've never talked about this. Uh, you can no. tell me if you had it. It was like um, they would put the student handbook and a uh, scheduler that you would put your homework in. And it had a little calendar and everything. And it was all in one book. And mm-hmm. I would have been at Maysville uh, School District at this time. And mm-hmm. um, it was across all of their junior high schools, maybe even into the elementary. But I would have been in sixth grade. So it was already middle school. And um, I fell in love with this system. I was just like, oh, this is my soul on paper. Like being able to write <laughs> down everything and see it organized for the week. Um, and I think they did it every year until eighth grade. And then when I went to high school, I started buying my own journals. And there was one type I liked. So I'd make my mom spend like two days searching all over Zanesville. <laughs> to find the exact ones that I needed to visually be happy. That's so funny. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing Uh, sixth grade since I was, what, 11? Yeah. I have always wanted to be organized enough to use, like, a paper diary. Um, But it's never really worked for me. I work in lists. Mm -hmm. And then, like, I pull apart that list and, like, okay, this is, like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but, but we have, like, a very different, like, you have, like, appointments, and, and my appointments when I was full-time in photography were always, you know, in the digital calendar, so that Andy would know exactly how, but I remember I tried out every sort of organizational system, because I'm, like, I'm in love with that kind of lifestyle but like I just really can't pull it off so I remember buying those those um before you had cell phones smartphones they had the digital schedulers what were those called oh I know what you're talking about file effects or something yeah no that's the that's too that's too far back that's like yeah that's too early that's like our that's like our grandparents had file faxes (laughs) but they (laughs) These are no, like there was the, a digital. There was a digital version. Yeah, of it called something similar. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I had I had like ordered those off of eBay. I remember, <laughs> and I would use them for like a week and then fail miserably because you had that like tiny little stylus and it was like so annoying. So mm-hmm. when um, iPhone came into my life was the first time. And and Andy has always been like really good about using a digital calendar. Um, so. When, when that came into my life, I was like, and he was in my life, we had a shared calendar. And so it just became a necessity to have an online calendar. But no, I it's still... the advantage when you're in one system because it yes. all links up together. So if yes. you have, I mean, you and I both use Apple products. 
yep. Apple. And Apple if you guns want to sponsor our podcast, <laughs> by all means, we'll give you a plug. But it can happen on any system, I'm sure. But because yes. the Apple products are so in tune with each other. Yeah, um, a lot of people do shared Google calendars and stuff like that. But yeah, it's never been. I've never been very good at the paper one. Like I always like end up ditching it. But. But alas, that isn't our topic for today, is it? (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, I'm going to start with my quote, my moment of calm at the beginning. Ah, Mixing it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it's one of my favorite uh, quotes because as everyone that listens to this podcast knows, I studied linguistics at Ohio University. Um, and so today we're talking about language. So the quote of the day is from Charlemagne and he said, I know going way back, um, to have another language is to possess a second soul. Mm. So the plan for today is we are going to talk about language learning, um, but not in the teaching sense that everyone knows me for, but more to people living in a foreign country that the language is not English, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. And the journey that we've been on to learn a second language um, or even a third language, because we studied languages when we were in high school and university as well. So Mm -hmm. some of the cultural differences we've bumped up against um, as we've tried to function in a second language, especially in the last few months, um, where it's very important to get relevant information very quickly. um, And what that's felt like throughout this um, pandemic, but also a bit of a broader overview of what it's been like to learn a second language as an adult. Yeah, just the news in general. I think when you when you don't speak that language I mean you know because of the pandemic there have been like fines attached to not having the correct information mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like if you didn't know that as of like eight o'clock the next morning um went on an announcement that came out at 11 o'clock at night that like <laughs> you had to have a mask on your face to be outside then you might not know so let's start with Um, our language learning journeys. So what languages we've studied in the past, what we're doing about studying Czech now. So Mm -hmm. tell me, January, what's your language journey been? Well, I started taking Spanish in high school um, at 14. I think maybe it was like even the last, just the last two years, wasn't it? It was so I would would have been sixteen. Um, so I started taking Spanish, and I don't remember. I mean, I remember very little. I remember how to conjugate verbs. Um, I have like I don't know a two hundred word vocabulary <laughs> in Spanish. Um, cerveza. Yes, <laughs> cerveza. Um, and I. I can I can think of certain things like I find myself like when I'm searching for a Czech word like a lot of times a Spanish word will just kind of fly up into my head and then I won't be able to think of the Czech word um but I did spend a little time in South America after university I studied I studied well no I'm sorry after high school um so I spent a little time in South America after high school and I was able to use it more and I I think I got better at like being able to form simple sentences because I think that is for me has been one of the most difficult parts about learning a language is um, you can study vocabulary and you can study grammar, but until you know how to like make a sentence right, flow, you got to put it all together. Yeah. Like until you know those things and, and have a feel for how that rhythm goes and, and that, that can be really hard because the word orders can change and yada mm-hmm. yada. But anyway, I studied Spanish in university after that a little bit more stuck. And then I didn't study any language at all <laughs> from the age of like 21 to 37. Uh-huh. Um, and did you do any preparation before you moved to the Czech Republic? Because you guys had a heads up like about a year in advance. Yeah, kind of. Um, 
at the time, like it's it's better now, like it's better in the last like couple years. But at the time, there were were no like none of the like trendy like Duolingo or mm-hmm. uh, Rosetta Stone or any of those kinds of programs had Czech. Um, right. So Andy actually found a military um, Czech learning like book. I remember this. Yeah, yeah, PDF that you could like print out and he like went to the the print shop and printed it out and I think we got about 3 seconds into that process <laughs> before we realized like just how complicated Czech was going to be. Um and as a linguist, can you speak to how difficult Czech is? Can you let everyone know like the <laughs> um well, Czech is a Slavic language, so coming from English, it is different. I, um, and I think a lot of linguists would agree with me, would say that no language is harder than another language. Like, when people talk about a language being oh, hard. disagree. <laughs> um, language is language, but the language that you're coming from 100% influences how difficult it will be to learn another language. So um, the the difference is that Slavic languages have a declension system, which if anyone has studied Latin, they know that you um, change the nouns according to their part of speech, um, as well as you change the verbs according to who you're talking about. You conjugate the verbs. Um, And English... Right, right, right. And and the adjectives have to also follow. But in Spanish, that happens as well. Um, so, so that is why coming from an English language, tech is incredibly hard because we are not as English speakers aware of all of our parts of speech and how it fits into the sentence and, um, the little declension, the little endings on each of the adjectives and nouns tell us a lot of information. So yes, it Mm -hmm. is difficult for our English brains. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, there are seven cases, which is a lot um, of changing. And then you have to change those in singular and in plural. And you have to change them in feminine and masculine and neuter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. So there's lots of changing going on. And um, it's interesting because Lucy is learning Czech in school. Um, We switched her to an all Czech school. let us see. This is two years ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's just completing her second year now. Um, because she was in a English Czech school before, and her experience was she just wasn't. She she has always she was an early speaker, so she has always really heavily relied on her ability to speak. She's always sounded older than she is because of her vocabulary and just the way that she's able to express herself. And I think she kind of prides herself on being able to express herself um, Mm -hmm. in a very kind of adultish sort of way. And coming into Czech, she just wasn't willing to give up that kind of fluency uh, and, and try out expressing herself in her second language. Like she just wasn't willing to speak. So from the age of about four, to six she was getting check passively but she refused to speak (laughs) right right yeah it's common in case studies that um that that happens with uh kids that are learning a second language especially if one of the parents is not a native speaker of that which you know she doesn't have the influence at home but yeah that's a really common tale Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she just didn't speak at all. And so we decided that the international school, the bougie international school that like, was like, oh, we're not really set up to teach um, English speaking kids Czech. We're really set up to speak to teach Czech kids English. Um, so we realized that there's a distinction between like bilingual schools. <laughs> And we decided to go state school. And and I think it was a good decision for us because, um, one, I want her to be a part of Czech culture. And I think if you grow up going to an international school, you're always going to feel 
outside of the circle right um of actual checks and two uh it kind it, it forced her to use her language like she had she had to and she kind of went kicking and screaming a little bit although like i mean like she agreed to the move she knew mm-hmm. it was necessary but i mean like in terms of just how how it worked out she kind of resisted to the point where she couldn't resist anymore mm-hmm. and so then things <laughs> I don't mean to phrase that like we broke her. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) But yeah, so her learning check like has helped us a good bit. Yeah, that's good. You're going to get her um, influence. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And she's quick to correct us, which I actually appreciate because um, I mean, I don't want to sound dumb. Who wants to sound dumb? So. So, yeah, so. Andy and I took Czech lessons uh, independently, basically from about six months of living here, um, off and on until now. And we're actually in an off period right now because um, our Czech teacher had some some personal things come up and then there was a global pandemic. So (laughs) it's been a few (laughs) months. Everything on pause. Yeah, and I actually have noticed since we've been, like, allowed out and about um, what that I'm missing. Like, I'm forgetting my check because we've been, like, living in our little bubble for, you know, three months now. And I'm not using it anymore. definitely necessary. And then you put a mask in there and then you're pretty much, like, yeah, yeah, screwed. (laughs) The mask does make it hard. I was talking to um, one of my friends who um, has a hearing aid. And so she is very conscious of being able to read people's lips. And we were talking about the masks and that it's um, a challenge for her now because she is missing that when she goes goes um out and about in the normal world being able to read people's lips and she's conscious that she's missing chunks and I Mm -hmm. said that's interesting because I have the opposite in that people now don't understand my check and I'm saying the same thing that I've said (laughs) a hundred times before and um I think that there's so much of a visual clue in Mm -hmm. um in the way facial expressions and your lips and the way that you move and Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, there was a paper that I read. Oh, man, it's been a while. So I'm not going to be able to reference it in the show notes. But um, it was like, it gave an actual percentage of how much of our communication with one another is actually nonverbal. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it was a strikingly high number. Mm-hmm. Um, a percentage, I mean, um, about how, how much is going on non-verbally before you even open your mouth and how much of that goes into understanding someone who is speaking your language that you might like miss something from an accent or something like that but like yeah get it very true Mm. yeah now we don't have lips to look at so (laughs) soon soon july 1st it's coming yeah hopefully Uh, we can keep that number under 15 yep (laughs) Um, so I had similar that I started with Spanish Um, I because I've always been a nerdy kid and I loved language um, I think my mom enrolled me in my first Spanish class when I was eight or ten so I and I had pen pals so I remember writing letters in German I was just a nerd Um, That being said, (laughs) people always ask me, because I study linguistics, how many languages I speak. Linguists don't speak languages necessarily. There are linguists that are very (laughs) talented in languages. But linguistics is the study of language as an idea, not different individual languages. So I'm actually a really crappy language learner. Um, I joke that I love the first 10 lessons in any language. Like, Mm -hmm. I absolutely love learning the basics. And then... Like you were saying, once you have to put everything together, then I'm like, yeah, I already did the mathematics and the interesting bit, which is why I studied linguistics. And now the hard part, I'll leave that for a while. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, so I studied Spanish and I would say 
I was okay. Like I, I spent a month in Bolivia when I was what, 17 or 18. And it was passable. And when I go back to Spain now, like, I can communicate basic needs. Yeah. Um, I still delve in and out of Spanish. So I've taken Spanish classes. Um, and I have Spanish books on my bookshelf. Um, so I try to, to keep up. Um, but I was writing messages with a friend in Spanish, as you do. Because uh, again, I'm a nerd. Black, <laughs> and I realized that I for, had totally forgotten the future. I was like, I don't know how to make future at all. So I had to Google. Oh yeah, I can't remember that either. Yeah. So um, and then I studied Italian at university for a couple of years. Uh, I took a semester of Russian, which made me cry every day. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because I had been in Russia for a summer and, you know, learned all the vocabulary because we were working with kids. So I knew all the colors and numbers and things. And then I took a semester at university and realized that, wow, this is really hard. And ironically, then I moved to the Czech Republic and realized, oh, it's a Slavic language. (laughs) As is Russian. But at least it doesn't have the Cyrillic alphabet. Like, that's like what really. Yeah, that's true but the Cyrillic alphabet isn't the that next. hard it isn't that hard once you yeah. like I mean most of the letters correspond there are only a couple funky ones yeah um, but yeah so it's true we use Latin in in Czech but um yeah so and then I, I started studying Czech when I got here and when people asked me how long it took me to learn Czech I'm like uh how long have I been living here that's how long <laughs> <laughs> because you're right it is an ever-evolving process yeah um and sometimes I study harder and other times I don't and yeah. sometimes I feel like I'm speaking better and sometimes I don't and I think that yeah. all people I mean obviously I work with people that are learning a foreign language um, and I think all people who study another language have that feeling that sometimes you feel like, yes, mm-hmm. and sometimes you feel like, I can't say my name is. Yes. Um, and yeah, I feel like that in, like, in language cl- classes that I take, like, my lessons in Czech, like, um, Andy and I take them together now. <laughs> and sometimes I'm so glad because he has just, uh, like, a better innate ability to memorize language like he's mm-hmm. he's just better at it um and so sometimes like I can hide <laughs> when we're taking lessons like when Andy can't come to a lesson and I have to do it by myself I'm like oh let's cancel this week <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like some days I'll be like chatting along with Yana and being able to like you know understand everything she's saying to me I mean enough to like respond um there's always going to be like little bits and pieces that I don't uh get but um enough to respond which that that can kind of be dangerous I think (laughs) (laughs) because people think that you're more fluent than you actually are yeah that That, and you can miss something important (laughs) yes yes and respond the wrong way and then they're looking at you like what <laughs> or it happened I remember this is years ago but when I um had to do something at the bank I think it was at the bank I don't know it was it was something official like that and um you know I was able to to have the interaction and to tell them what I needed um and I thought that I understood what they needed and I remember thinking the miscommunication was I thought that the direct deposit was set up and it was not. So like 32 days later, I get this notice, like your bills have not been paid. Oh no. (laughs) And and I was like, Oh, that's what she meant. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Details, details. So I understand that. But I think you guys have the advantage that um, you moved here not that long ago, what, four or five years ago. And Mm -hmm. at that point, people in the Czech Republic were starting to hear Czech spoken by foreigners. Um, It was becoming much more and more foreigners that moved here were interested in learning Czech. 
Um, and I see that as a huge change because when I used to try to use Czech, people were like, either I don't understand a word you're saying, or they would automatically switch to English. And it's mm -hmm. been great over the last couple of years that people are really like, wow, you're trying to speak Czech. That's great. And yeah. uh, working with foreigners as they struggle through their Czech phrases. Yeah, every Czech person you ask is like, oh, this language is impossible. Why would you study it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I think that the switching to English in the past was more like, oh, you poor little dear, let me help you out. Where mm -hmm. now I think that there's this understanding of, oh, you're trying to acclimate into our culture. Like, let me help you out yeah. with that. Um, I guess it, it depends on like the actual instance in the individual because like I've tried to speak Czech before or, like gone in and, and said what I want in Czech and got like the eye roll and then just like answered in English. I think it depends on the person you're speaking to. Mm -hmm. It happened to me yesterday. I um, So anyone who has a dog <laughs> in this country and probably in any country, but I've only owned a dog in this country, you know that you very quickly get to know your neighbors, but but not their name, just the names of their dogs. Um, mm -hmm. And if you don't have your dog with you, you generally don't speak to the other person because um, the dog is the connection. But it happened yesterday that I walked out of my door and next to me, two of my neighbors walked out and they have a dog. And so they greeted me and I greeted them and we all kind of walked to the tram together and they're talking to Tonda. And then we've never really talked before because usually the dogs just sniff each other and you go about your way. So they started asking me questions and it was really cute because one of them realizing that I'm a foreigner and uh, that she needs to give me a little bit of help started speaking slowly and still very, very nice. Like she wasn't doing the like shouty, <laughs> terrible, like foreign accent, but she was just slowing down and like enunciating and her friend who... I think was a little bit nervous about the situation, just started speaking a lot <laughs> to cover up. Um, and it was really sweet to see how they were trying to accommodate. Um, but they yeah. didn't switch to English. They didn't ask me any questions. They didn't mention that um, I wasn't a native Czech speaker. Um, and they kept the conversation going for like 20 minutes on the tram. Nice. Um, so, and I think that that is something that's definitely changed over the last couple of years. Yeah. So my first trip to Prague was in 2004, came back in 2006, came back in 2011, and then moved here in 2015. And just watching Prague kind of grow and flourish mm -hmm. um, economically, uh, culturally, like uh, the amount of foreigners and expats, um, which I don't, I don't love that word. But there's no other word <laughs> yeah, for it. Yeah, all kinds of connotations that come with expats. If anyone yeah. wants to delve into the internet world of why we should and shouldn't use that word, it's a whole thing. Yeah, but there's <laughs> no there's no substitute word. Like like, what can we come up with that that means people who are temporarily hanging out in a different country? Because like at this point, I would consider myself an immigrant. I've been here five years, um, almost, and. After my next visa, I will apply for, after my next uh, two-year visa, I will apply for permanent residency. And at that point, I feel like you're an immigrant, yes? Yeah, but also, I mean, I think the reason why the word expat doesn't go away is because um, it also comes with the cultural context of foreigners tend to have their own life within the community. That you're yes. not living, not you personally, but I mean, like the expat, that that word that people aren't living completely in the in the local community. And I think that's the reason why the word stays and why it feels relevant. I'm not commenting that it should or shouldn't be used. I'm just saying yes. <laughs> there's a yeah. whole, if you want to delve into it, there's a whole idea behind why it should or shouldn't be used yeah. for lots of different reasons. I know. I just I wish there was a third word, I guess I'm saying. Tassi, can you work on that? <laughs> I will work on that. I'm going to come up with one. <laughs> You're going to come up with one, then we're going to spread it to the masses. <laughs> it's true. Um, well, actually, that that's a good lead into 
often the question that I get is how does a non-Czech speaker or wherever you land, but since we're in the Czech Republic, um, if you're not a native speaker of the language um, of the country that you're in, how does that work? So in Prague, especially, um, when you got here and you didn't speak any Czech, um, how do you think it works in Prague when people show up? Oh, it's very easy to get around in English. I think you're going to find yourself in a couple of sticky situations if you don't have any Czech words. Um, we had a handful. Um, if you don't know, like, the social, uh, lubricant words, like, that you always say, Dobry den, or Dobry večer, Dobry rano, um, to somebody as you go into a shop or go into an elevator or, I don't know, pass yeah. a neighbor in the hallway. Um, oh, and then, like, you need to say, like, your, your, your goodbye, your nascladano. Yeah. Like, if you don't Always know... Say the, goodbye. Yeah, if you don't know those, like, what do you call that? Social grease? Yeah, that's what I call it, social grease. <laughs> social grease words that, like, keep everything feeling, like, very cordial. Um, well, you're going to have a better response from people in general if you if you go into it. And, and with, like, knowing those words. And then um, also, I think one thing that a lot of foreigners do, which I've kind of come to realize has like a negative effect is just going straight to like Mluvatanglitsky. Like, do you speak English? Um, I feel like it's, it puts the person on the spot, especially here in a culture where people are a little bit more reserved and um, a little bit like they're not as comfortable saying like yes I speak English even if like I mean you say you do you speak English they say no then you like try or they say a little and you you try to speak English and they come out with like perfect they have English a PhD <laughs> in English literature yeah, yeah exactly um so I, I found that like if you start with something like my check is is not very good or mm-hmm. is bad um do you speak English then the response is much more, I don't know, it, it feels more comfortable. Like I think that's a universal truth. I remember yeah. people always complain about French speakers, especially in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I was in Paris and I would just ask or I would say, oh, I don't speak French very well. Do you speak Italian or Spanish or Czech? And, of course, they would usually say, no, no, no. And then I was like, oh, could we please speak English? And they're like, oh, I guess we have to. And then they were <laughs> fine. I, I, do, I, I agree that it's the, like, confrontation of, ta-da, here I am. I speak exactly. English. So should you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it also helps if you give people options because then like you get away from like the ugly American stereotype of like only (laughs) like expecting the world to know your language um, immediately. Because I think sometimes that that is the problem with um, because the Brits and the Americans have like kind of given English speakers a bad reputation (laughs) internationally. Yeah, because like it's like, well, why wouldn't you speak English? Like everybody <laughs> speaks English. It's true. And yeah, they might. I... They might just say no just to spite you because <laughs> <laughs> figure it out. It's true. I but I totally agree with you. When people move here, I say that like, and I, it's it's true because we both have met people that live here long term that know very little Czech. That if you live in Prague and you um, do not learn Czech, you can survive here quite nicely because there oh, is yeah. a big expat community. Um, there are services in English and a variety of other languages, also German and Russian and Vietnamese, um, for the immigrant and expat communities from lots of different places, but especially yeah. English. So it's it's interesting that there's this little English speaking world within Prague, mm-hmm. um, which also I mean not a conversation for this podcast, but 
is also very interesting because I think it can give people a cultural image of the Czech Republic and Prague, which is not necessarily true mm-hmm. um, because their interactions are very limited with the actual local people. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah. Fair, though. It's very difficult to break into Czech social circles. A lot of times they have friends going back to grade school where they've been in, I mean, they stay with the same teacher from first grade to fifth grade. So you can imagine that the people that went to school together have quite a bond um, because they went through the whole school together. And then some of them go on to gymnasium and are together for the rest of that journey. So um you know, that's like our high school. So, uh, so yeah, so, so a lot of times it feels like as a foreigner to me who, um, you know, like I haven't, I haven't dated a Czech, uh, uh, cause I came here married. So, you know, that's frowned upon. Um, <laughs> and I haven't lived with a Czech because I came here with a family and, you know, it's a little bit different than when you move here, like, you know, like when you did when you were 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't interact with checks for work. So, mm-hmm. like, for me, it's, it's easier to make, like, all of my Czech friends have either an English speaking partner, um, or are friends of people that I know that are immigrants or expats. Mm hmm. So I have like, you know, I have Czech friends, but they're all through someone else, mostly you or (laughs) Itasi, by the way, if you ever move to a foreign country, you should find yourself Itasi because she has collected all the people of the universe. And even if she doesn't necessarily get along with the people, she can give them to you. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I, you know, I've said it a thousand times. I'm sure I've said it like at least a hundred times on this podcast. If my, if I could have an ideal job that doesn't actually exist, but my ideal job in life would be to be a human Google. I love connecting people to people and I love connecting people to information. So I just hold little bits of information and ideas about humans. And then I go, this human and this human should meet up. Yeah, it's true. She does. (laughs) And a lot of times it works out swimmingly. Yeah. You're like a Yenta for like platonic relationships. (laughs) It's true. I should be a matchmaker. But I think there's actually a business in there. Because like when you move to the Czech Republic, Czech is such a big... Um, obstacle because it's so difficult to learn for English speakers right so um, and let's just face it it's on like lists of like languages that are like hard yes and I didn't mean to (laughs) I didn't mean to poo-poo the fact that it's that it is hard obviously I'm still struggling and I don't if people ask me if I speak Czech I say a little um so I wasn't meaning that it's like oh it's easy just as a linguist I have to put the caveat out there there. there's no there's no such thing as not a word Spanish like Spanish is beautiful and wonderful and you move there and you're fluent in six months yeah exactly has its own problems because the verbs are crazy every language has its craziness so yeah yeah. You move to the Czech Republic and you're fluent in like maybe eight years. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends how much time you put into it. It's true. I know okay. people that yeah. like, especially if you date someone who's Czech and like you or you marry someone who's Czech, like and you need to communicate with their family. I think you get much more of a chance to practice, you know, than like Angela, our friend Angela. Mm-hmm. Um, she... Uh, she moved here to marry a Czech and as a result needed to speak to his parents and family, right? So she had to learn it much more quickly than yeah. um, than somebody like me who doesn't really have like a pressing need to. And I'm the kind of person like that I need to have like somebody standing over me, like being like, you need to do this. Trill sergeant. <laughs> I do. I need to have like a pressing need in order to like voluntarily like put myself through the pain of checklists. 
<laughs> I get that. It's like I to do it like just on based on like intrinsic motivation isn't really part of like. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to push myself, and and it helps to have like a husband along with me who's like on this journey too, and we help each other. And he's much better at like catching on to a phrase and just using it over and over and over again. Um, in fact, there are times when he'll come in the room and like, I'll be tired and he'll start speaking to me in Czech and I'll be like, Oh my God, can you just speak in English? (laughs) My poor husband. He's wonderful. He is wonderful. Like he does like 98% of things like completely right. But he's married to me. He's like this moody. (laughs) So yeah, poor him. But anyway, um, so one thing that's been it was interesting uh, as a non-Czech speaker was as and I think that's what kind of connects this topic to our current podcast um, is that we just went through a global pandemic and as a non-Czech speaker, uh, well I guess I am a Czech speaker in but I'm an early like A1 slash A2 maybe. Um, <laughs> Czech speaker so for for people who don't live in Europe that's like beginner slash beginner too mm-hmm. <laughs> um if you were to kind of qualify that and what what is your level language level Tassie like technically um I took the test for b2 which is intermediate mm-hmm. would you say that you're better than that or would you say no. that that's pretty accurate <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but anyway, going through a national crisis, so like where news was changing, regulations were changing, information was coming out, people were giving speeches, um, etymologists were analyzing the situation, and us being like kind of just the hop, skip, and a jump from Italy knowing how serious the situation was, but having no idea what was actually being said by politicians, by, and you know, there's always like, fan, like in English, when politicians speak, it's tricky, right? Because poly speak is like full of. Right. The, you never say what you actually mean. And yeah. 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 So voice and all that fun stuff. Yeah, so as you you listen to English news, like, you have to have, like, a really critical ear and have to get, like, certain parts of, like, the culture, like, what what this means versus what this really means. Because people don't speak plainly in politics and they don't speak plainly a lot of other times either. But, um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, so not having those, you know, social understanding like that kind of social understanding um while there's a global crisis going on was super difficult because even if you're reading news designed for expats um or for non-czech speakers the translations sometimes were wackadoodle like right right it didn't make sense or yeah um, or it was three days too late yeah yeah or i was trying to figure out what was going on with Lucy's school and I was like this article makes no sense like I don't Mm -hmm. understand what they decided based on this translation so I found myself you know asking people who spoke Czech or who spoke better Czech than me um what is happening all the time that is the advantage of of being in Prague and English being so widely spoken because and there being so many foreigners and expats um, that we ended up with lots of Facebook pages um, and blogs that were popping up trying to give people information. And our very favorite was the um, hashtag help your hood. Yeah. Um, they did such an amazing job. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. It was started by um, a journalist from the UK. Uh, he's a BBC correspondent, as far as I understand, and probably mm-hmm. works with some other um, journals as well. But um, he just, he started this hashtag, 
tag and it was amazing because within hours of an announcement uh there was a good translation up mm-hmm. it was broken down into bullet points so it wasn't like you were reading through a text of someone's speech yeah. um also there were relevant articles posted that had to do with things that were happening around Europe around central Europe um also anytime that there was a good website that was coming from the EU or had uh information or like the smart um quarantine smart tracking um mm-hmm. the money for um that the government was giving uh, uh, subsidizing people yes. like all those links could be found there and it was just incredibly helpful Yeah, because a lot of people who are working here are working here on what we call a Zhivnosinski list visa. So it's basically a freelancer visa. Um, And a lot of foreigners work on those visas. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of like, uh, there were, there was money available for people who had, who had lost a lot of work due to, COVID-19 and but getting the information that you needed in order to go apply for that money was really difficult if you don't speak fluent Czech and just from my experience with dealing with like the foreign police uh, which is the agency that you go to to get your visas and all of that stuff kind of sorted um, I never go there without a native Czech speaker (laughs) Mm -hmm. because there's I mean, unless it's, like, just to pick up a card or something like that, like, when you get your new biometric card. Um, But I never go there by myself or even just with Andy um, because there's there's certain things, you know, like, I remember you explaining to me, like, how much easier it is when you have a... Yeah, nuances that, like, they... If you take your friend with you who knows how to say the right thing and get the right information and maybe ask a question in a different way than I would ask. Um, yeah, it, I, and it would be the same in the States, you know, imagine yep. that you have to rock up and get your driving license. That's something that boggles my mind every time I have to do it in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I'm from Ohio. Yeah, because there's a nuance. There's what you were saying about the social grease. There's a way that you ask for information in a public mm-hmm. office that is not the same way that you ask for information at a restaurant. It's not uh, super uh, straightforward, is it? Yeah. So yeah, taking a friend with you is always a good thing. Yeah. So that group provided help to people who were looking for um, money to survive the crisis, which is amazing. And just in general, I found they did an update every single morning. Most of the time they did an update in the afternoon when things were happening quickly. Mm-hmm. They did an ap- update after like every announcement um, that a politician, like major politician made. Um, they even presented, you know, the arguments that were happening between different sides of the government, different stations. Um and it, I learned so much about Czech politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's in charge of what and how it works. Yeah. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and how true. the guy with the good hair, like, was on, like, a Czech, like, American <laughs> Idol kind of show. Yeah. Oh, man. What's his job? Um, he was the Minister of Health. Yeah, yeah. For a while. I'm trying to is remember he not his anymore? name. Because... Is he still? Yeah, he still is. He still is. I don't know, because someone else changed, but it wasn't him. Um, okay. Keeping track of these things. I mean, it's like trying it, it to keep track like of every day. Out of, <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm trying to think of his name. Wojtek. Wojtek, yeah. His last name. He has um, the good hair. He has the good hair. Very good hair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when he retires from politics, he could do a shampoo commercial for sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was, so I think that if we were going to summarize and tell someone who's like, oh, I've always wanted to move to a foreign country, but I'm really afraid to speak another language, you'll be fine. If you move to the capital of a European city or any 
city in the major world. Major city, yeah. Any major city. You and I have had experiences in Asia and South America and in lots of different places. Um, you'll find that group of people that give you information and have your back. Uh, you'll find ways to navigate within the local culture. And if you spend some time getting to know the local language, you'll also feel much more connected. Yeah. But it is a really, like, vulnerable feeling not being able to read the news yourself, to -hmm. rely on someone else's translation um, or someone else having the time to translate it. Uh, or ask calling up a friend and asking them to like read an article for you. <laughs> it's a vulnerable feeling not to be like to be in the middle of a crisis and not be able to completely understand everything that's going on around you. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that made like Help Your Hood group so special and I think so comforting and um, helpful during the COVID, well, during the first months, I mean, we're still kind of in the COVID-19 mm-hmm. crisis, but um, during the first months of the COVID-19 crisis, because things were changing at such rapid speed, mm-hmm. like in the morning, you could hear an announcement that things were going to be one way. And by the evening, you know, there could have been a fight between two of the like 11 billion parties here and... <laughs> It comes out like that it's going to be a different decision. And, you know, the prime minister might say one thing and then like the minister of health, yeah, yeah, the epidemiologist might say another thing. And they're, they're like having, you know, two different interests, you know, one being completely health related, one having to kind of think about public health, but also think about like the economy, which, you know, everybody, everybody everywhere has had to deal with those things. But, but I think being un, being not being able to read the news you know like that's an experience that like you and I probably had differently like you could you could probably work your way through a news article and feel like you could understand it but I'm definitely not at the phase where or at the level where um I feel like I could do that so groups like help your hood or that group in particular yeah um, kind of made me feel safe it made me feel like okay I can I can figure this out I can I can adjust I can do what I'm supposed to do I know that if I check this you know every morning and every evening that um I'm gonna know what I should do mm-hmm. that you know I'm not gonna be charged to like fifty thousand dollars for not having a mask on <laughs> you know obviously there are other helpful um resources the Czech government did a decent job of do get putting everything out in like infographic uh form mm-hmm. yeah um so that like even if it was in chat there was like some the... good graphic design going on let me tell there you there was there was yeah I'm like you got like notices how... in your sorry what? you got notices in your mailbox that um you know had what you were supposed to do and and the numbers you should call if and all that kind of stuff but it was in check but like it there were enough infographics that you could figure it out mm-hmm. yeah I I was impressed the U.S. embassy had like a few calls um where they like gave out information for U.S. citizens um if they if people like wanted to get home uh, or, you know, whatever the concern was, they were really helpful. And I don't know, I think just being in the EU has been nice. Uh, yes. I like Dear you. Europe, I love you lots. <laughs> I know. Love Tessie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's basically you know, what we wanted to talk about today, like our language journey and what it was like to go through COVID-19, not being able to like really completely understand everything that was going on around us. But the helpers, the helpers again, like Mr. Rogers. Yeah, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Back to him. Look to the helpers and help your hood. Help your hood. Rob, Cameron, you are one of the helpers. Thank you so much. Definitely. Um, if you ever hear this podcast. 
And it's still going on. That hashtag is still going on. I yes. think only update it. Um, it seems to be like maybe once or twice a week now because obviously we don't need as much information. Yeah. Um, but and there's but a whole still, team of like uh, people who moderated and yeah. kept kept like crappy stuff from being able to be posted. So um, I think that was one of the the really nice things about the group is that it was heavily moder- moderated yeah. and it was it kept like riff raff from being able to be like you know oh check yeah. out my blah 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 (laughs) you knew you could trust the information but they still have good information popping up there um Mm -hmm. links about where you can travel and how traveling is opening up and uh schools and so if anyone's listening to this and you haven't connected with help your hood which i don't know how you haven't (laughs) because everyone i know (laughs) here in prague but even if you're listening to us in the states and you just want an idea about what's going on um, they post really good articles in general that aren't necessarily just yeah. um, Prague-centric. So mm-hmm. might be a hashtag to check out. So we don't have the... We, we did our moment of calm at the beginning, so we don't have a moment of calm. So I'm like, how do we close the show without a moment of calm, Tassie? I know. Look up Charlemagne. To have another <laughs> language is to possess a second soul. And um, there's actually a book I wanted to recommend. Um and now I can't remember what it is. Well, I'll recommend Me Talk Pretty One Day by David Sedaris. If you want to um, get in the brain of a language learner, that book is really funny. He moves to France with his boyfriend and he starts to learn French. Um, and it's just a very amusing journey of David Sedaris trying to get his mind around being a foreigner and also around learning French. Um, it's a classic. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a classic. And the book that I want to recommend is In Other Words by John Bilahari. Um, and she, it's like her life journey to learn Italian. Um, and it's beautiful and it's like super helpful if you are learning a different language. It's got a lot of tips in it how she she ends up like journaling every day in Italian just to get herself to to use it but without like a critical eye like without someone to correct her mistakes but just to like start using it which is like one of the most difficult jumps that you make in language learning I think and it's a really hard one so Mm. I recommend that book so anyway uh so that's it for us today we hope that you uh enjoyed our little trip down memory lane with language learning and also you know the connection with what's going on right now and we we will be back next week with a another episode from dan the black death part two um dan and some black death yeah so our our history our history uh week or history episode will be next week we hope you guys all have uh a lovely week and we will see you here soon definitely ciao ciao thanks for listening to this week's episode of from quarantine we are live on all platforms so you can find us on everything from the big guys like apple podcasts and spotify to your favorite podcast apps you can get updates on our episodes on instagram just search for from quarantine And you can find our full show notes on our website, quarantine.cz. We would love it if you would like and share our episodes with your friends. But if you could also take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, that would help us out tremendously. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by the coronavirus outbreak. Live together. Dialogue.